today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. I also know that my God is faithful, that I can hold on to him even in the hard times. That's why I love the words in Ecclesiastes, and I think I might have said this just recently in one of the messages, when Solomon says, and there is time for mourning. There's time for laughter. That's all part of our human experience. And in the midst of those swings of life, where is your base? Where is your foundation? God's answer to Habakkuk assures him, yeah, listen, at the end, the wicked will be destroyed. It can be hard to trust God when life seems out of control. It can be even harder to explain your faith to other people too. Your lack of worry when trials come can seem strange to the world, and you likely won't be able to fully explain it. After all, God's plans can be mysterious. Today, Pastor David will encourage you to keep your life firmly planted in your Creator. He knows how things will turn out, even if you don't. When life falls apart, you can remain hopeful that one day, evil will be vanquished. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Habakkuk chapter 2, as he continues his message, The Coming Day of the Lord. So the Lord tells Habakkuk here in chapter 2, verse 3. He says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. And though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You've heard that before. That's where that verse from, again, Romans comes, the the just shall live by faith from Habakkuk. This whole idea of waiting for the Lord and living in patience, living in faith. And beloved, that's found all through scripture from Genesis to Revelation, that our very salvation is based on faith, right? For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. So we have to be people of faith. Faith that believes that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. And even when it seems as though the enemy is in control, even when it seems as though you yourselves, you're gonna be dried up and maybe totally destroyed, even when it seems that the night will never end, beloved, remember, the just shall live by faith. And if everything is going smooth in my life, I don't have to have faith. If everything is going wonderful, my bank account's full, I'm healthy, everything's doing, you know, my my kids are wonderful, everything, I don't have to have faith because it's right there. Faith is the evidence of things, what? Unseen. 
the substance of things hoped for. So that when my world is crashing and burning, when the worst of situations are surrounding me, that's when our faith grows. That's when our faith is demonstrated. That's when the reality of our faith is there. I can tell you I have faith all day long as long as things are going smooth. But we see how much faith we have when the bottom drops out. Even in our faith, even in our faith, we still struggle, don't we? We still struggle. It's a part of our humanity. It's part of our frailty. It's our inability to remain consistent through all of these ups and downs. Now, I know that some of you are stronger in faith than some of the rest of us, and I understand that. But you did not get strong in your faith by everything going easy on you. Your faith was strengthened because you've been to hell and back, and you've seen God restore and renew and strengthen. Yet in the midst of it all, even in our struggles, if we truly have a deep and a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will eventually, even in the doubt, if I have a true relationship, even in the doubt, I will eventually swing back home to faith. But it's the ones that don't have real faith that never swing back. They're off kilter. Their life is off kilter. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to live. Howard Hendricks once said, Humans only occasionally achieve balance as they're swinging from one extreme to the other. I believe that's true spiritually too. I mean, we can get so excited about some things. We think, well, this is great, this is great. Okay, settle down. Let's look at the reality of things. Or we can get so oppressed and depressed and frustrated that we're way over here. No, we need to swing back and say, no, God is in control of this. Beloved, you'll never find that balance of being able to find that faith in the midst of that struggle if you're not right now growing in your relationship with Christ. It's in your personal growth in Christ that brings about that balance and a sense of peace in the midst of every storm. That doesn't come for the mediocre surface Christian. Mediocre surface Christian will look at someone who is deep in faith and they're absolutely amazed. I don't know how you can stand in that peace. And that's when you can tell them, you know what? I struggled for weeks and weeks or months or months or years. But I also know that my God is faithful. That I can hold on to him even in the hard times. That's why I love the words in Ecclesiastes, and I think I might have said this just recently in one of the messages, when Solomon says, man, there is time for mourning. There's time for laughter. That's all part of our human experience. And in the midst of those swings of life, where is your base? Where is your foundation? God's answer to Habakkuk assures him, yeah, listen, at the end the wicked will be destroyed. As a matter of fact, five different times in chapter two, God declares woe to the wicked. Verse six, chapter two, he says, will not all these take up a proverb against him, the wicked? 
and a taunting riddle against him and say, woe to him who increases that is not his, what is not his, how long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges. Verse nine, woe to him who covets evil gain for his house that he may set his nest on high. Verse 12, woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed and establishes a city by iniquity. Verse 15, woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that he may look upon his nakedness. Verse 19, woe to him who says to wood, awake, to a silent stone, arise, it shall teach. Behold, it's overlaid with gold and silver, and yet in it there's no breath at all. You see, the wicked put their faith in their own strength and in their own abilities. Why would we as his children live the same way? Putting our faith in our own abilities and strength. That's why I loved Ken's message this last Sunday. That God works in our inabilities That's where the spirit of God is really demonstrated in our life. Not in our abilities, but in our inabilities. For the wicked, rather than seek out the one true God to whom they literally do owe allegiance and obedience, they make for themselves gods who are silent, who can't teach, who have no power, who can't even talk. They carve it out of wood. They, They cover it with silver and gold and say, that's my God. But I've got to ask this, even to the church, how powerful is your God? Is he so far off and so distant from you that, oh yeah, I believe the word of God and I come in and I'll do a Bible study and I'm here, but I really don't have this ongoing relationship with the knowledge of just the sweetness and the presence and the power and the authority, the correction, the instruction. I really don't have that kind of a relationship with God. Beloved, maybe that's because you've made a God of your own choosing, of your own design. Because if your God isn't greater than anything that you can imagine, if your God isn't more powerful than anything you could even begin to conjure up in your own mind. You've got a very limited God, and it's a God of your own design. In the midst of all of wicked man's sinfulness and their rebellion against God, God's word to Habakkuk reminds him of that steadfastness, of that powerfulness of the one true God. Look at verse 20, still in verse 2, or chapter 2. You guys aren't going very fast. You'll never get through this in Zephaniah. Verse 20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. In essence, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the wickedness, in the midst of all the storms that are in your life, personally or in your family, understand God is still in control. He is sovereign over all of his universe. He is in control. He is the king sovereign over all of his universe. The guys on Tuesday morning, we've been going through the attributes of God, the omniscience of God, all knowing. God knows where you're at. He knows the struggles. He knows the beginning and the end of all things. And he's also omnipotent, all powerful. So he is able to, in the midst of those things, 
take care of situations. And yeah, maybe he's allowing you to go for a while, for a season. But none of this surprises him. And none of it is without reason and purpose. Beloved, you need to understand, in the midst of it all, our God is still, to just grab a phrase, our God is still large and in charge, okay, over all things. Even when it seems like the wicked are having their way, God's only allowing it to happen for a season. Just as the Apostle Paul told the philosophers up on Mars Hill there in Athens, we find it in Acts, he says, we ought not to think that the divine nature, that divine being that he's speaking about God, the unknown God, we ought not think about him as like gold or silver or stone, something that's been shaped by art and man's devising. And he tells him, truly, these times of ignorance, God has overlooked, but he's now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. And that's what God is speaking to Habakkuk. Look, Habakkuk, they're going to get by with a lot of stuff for a long time. And some of this is for, again, a vision that's going to be fulfilled much, much later. Paul says the same thing. Judgment will come. After hearing God's response and promise that the wicked will be punished, Habakkuk is actually strengthened in his faith. And and in chapter three, he responds with words of praise and with words of worship. And you know what? That's the best thing that you and I can do. And it's the hardest thing to do. When we are chained and locked down in the darkness and the dankness of a dungeon, the easiest thing I can do is complain to God, okay? Oh God, why am I here? I was only trying to serve you. I was only trying to do the right thing. And now, man, my life's all a mess and this is happening. And that's the easiest thing to do. The hardest thing and the right thing to do is, Lord, I praise you because I know you're in charge. I don't know what this is for. I, don't, I, I have no idea why this situation is coming in my life. But Lord, I know who you are. And I praise you and I worship you and I'm surrendering. I died to me years ago, Lord, so you can live through me. And for some reason you have me here, but I praise you. I don't like this situation, but Lord, I praise you. I worship you. The best thing you and I can do in those times of darkness, in those times even of doubt, when we don't hear the word of God speaking to us, when the answer seems so far out of reach that we should still come before the Lord with praise and worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. You want God to be near you? Praise him. Just live a life of praise. That's not just raising your hands and singing a song. I mean, I, I, I'm a guy that grew up in the 60s. I know a lot of, you know, 60s and 70s songs. And I can get, man, you know, that, that's not what it's, what it's about. is praising him from the depth of your heart. And you may not be able to sing a note, but you can praise him and worship him. And you know what I'm speaking about. That again, that our praise and worship would come even in the midst of our doubt, even in the midst of our fear, even when we're surrounded by that darkness. I think you can agree 
the best of all of what's happening here is the end here in Habakkuk. This is the one I told you about. I love this section of verse. Habakkuk chapter three, look down in verse 17. Beloved, this is where we all ought to be. Every one of us ought to be here. Habakkuk writes in verse 17, he says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls. That's a pretty desperate place, amen? I mean, nothing that you've counted on, nothing that you've labored on all that season of planting and caring and preparation, it yielded nothing. And even the things that you didn't have any hold on, it still came to nothing. Even the wild animals, nothing. And yet he says what in verse 18? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. And he will make my feet like hind's feet or deer's feet. And he will make me to walk upon high places. It's not easy to walk on those high places. He's going to strengthen me to be able to do that. If you ever, what he's speaking about here are those, like those mountain deer. You know, the ones that, man, they're just hanging on the edge of a cliff. And yet they're secure. Some of you guys have been on the edge of a cliff over the last few months, maybe weeks, maybe even today. But you know what? He will give you strength. He'll make your feet like deer's feet to where, man, you can handle that. You can stand there. And you know what? Those deer stand there even when the storms come in. And they're able to stand on the edge of that rock. Why? Because God's designed them to be able to have that balance and that foundation. And that's what Habakkuk is saying here, though everything else has failed, though I've come up totally empty-handed, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation because that's more important to him than having a great harvest. Because the Lord being his strength and involved in his life is more important to him than getting that good doctor's report. Because knowing that his relationship with God is sealed by the power of the Spirit of God and that he's the one that's holding him is more important to him than anything this world has to offer. That's why in the midst of losing everything, yet shall I praise him. Isn't that what Job said? Yet shall I praise him. He writes out instructions I love what he says here, to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. What he's saying there is, give this to your worship leader and make sure that they include the stringed instruments when they play it, okay? And this ought to be sung, this ought to be declared. At the end of the day, guys, it all comes down to our faith. It's not about circumstances that surround us. It's not about the strength of the enemy or what the wicked are doing that are causing us to struggle. It's not even about your comfort or your physical well-being. 
It's everything about the Lord Jesus Christ who gives you all you need and able to stand even in the rugged and the tough places. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us his strength in our weaknesses. Remember, Paul says, man, there's three different times, and, and I've shared with you before. I don't think that Paul says, Lord, heal this weakness. Lord, heal this weakness. Lord, heal this weakness. I ask you three times. I, I believe it literally was over three seasons of his life that whatever that weakness is, it just became so overwhelming, maybe even a, a struggle in trying to ministry. Man, I, I'd, I'd love to go there, but I just can't right now because, Lord, if you would heal me, if you would deliver me from this weakness of my flesh, I could serve you a whole lot better. Paul asks, he says, man, I sought the Lord three different times to heal me from that weakness or deliver me from that thorn in the flesh. God's response to him is, is my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And yet that's not what we pray, is it? Let's be honest. No, Lord, get rid of this weakness in my life. What Paul was saying, no, it's in my weakness that he's made strong. Because then it's not about, again, going back to Sunday's message, it's not about my abilities. It's about him. It's all about the Lord Jesus who tells us to cast all of our cares upon him. Why? Because he cares about us more than we can even begin to imagine. These books of prophecy, we're looking at now, we would be looking at over the next several weeks. They're good for the heart. They're good for the heart because they help us to see outside of our own box of comfort to see and maybe even experience a God who is unlimited and cannot be controlled by our whims. A God who moves beyond our understanding as he continues to fulfill his plans and his purposes in us. As he continues to fulfill his plans and purposes through us. And as he continues to fulfill his plans and purposes in spite of us, because God will do his will, we either go and we are blessed in the midst of the journey or we miss it totally. It's when our faith is built up, or our faith is built up when you and I go through struggles. As I shared before, when we're comfortable, we're not built up in faith. So our prayer really needs to be, our prayer, my prayer needs to be, Lord, when I'm struggling, you know, when I'm struggling in this area, I would pray, Lord, just remind me to hold on to you, just to hold on to you. And I wish that I was spiritually mature enough that that was my first prayer rather than my last prayer. Because my first prayer too often is, Lord, get me out of this thing. But wouldn't it be great if we all got to that point that when we are overwhelmed with things, when the attacks come, Lord, just draw me. Draw me close. Surprisingly and sadly, too many followers of Jesus are Bible illiterate. 
They know a few basic names or facts, but the abundance of truth and love inside this great text is getting lost. This is why Pastor David feels it's necessary to take some time to work through the Bible in this series, and we're so glad you've joined us here on The Open Word for it. Each time you tune in, Pastor David will be giving you an accurate and succinct dialogue of a book of Scripture, pointing out the key passages and truths that everyone needs to be aware of. If you missed any part of today's message or any part of this series, we encourage you to visit our website. You'll be able to listen again at theopenword.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and please feel free to share these teachings with your friends and family. Everyone can benefit from this Through the Bible series. Are you in the Casa Grande area? If so, Pastor David has an invitation to extend to you. Every message you hear on The Open Word is one that I shared here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, a great church where I enjoy my role as senior pastor. I'd love to see your face next time I get up to teach, and I'd really enjoy meeting you afterward. Please consider coming on out and joining us this weekend. You'll be able to find all the information you need at theopenword.com. Just click the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. See you there. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all for today. But join us next time to continue through the Bible here on The Open Word.